And welcome back to another episode of the Total Sports Live podcast here on Anchor. I'm Jovan Alford. You already know who I'm joined by my guy Harrison Brown as we're going to break down the Eagles. Yes, those Philadelphia Eagles. We're back again for another week. Like we said, regardless of the result, we will be back. But this week, we talking about the Eagles NFC title game. Yes, your town, your team, your Philadelphia Eagles are back in the NFC championship game for the second time in five seasons. So we're going to talk about their matchup against the San Francisco 49ers, who are literally the hottest team in football. It doesn't matter what type of football we're talking about. No matter the league, no matter the country, the continent, they are the hottest team in football right now. So we're going to discuss that matchup. And we're also going to look at everything else that's happened in you know the playoffs from last weekend. And then, like I said, break down this matchup as well. However, before we do that, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Total Sports Live. Make sure you're checking out the website, totalsportslive.com as well. A lot of great stuff coming for you guys. Stay tuned for that. A lot of good content uh, coming there. And also, make sure you're checking out the podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, lastly on anchor.fm. And always, make sure when you do that, hit the subscribe button, download the podcast, leave us a review, a rating. Really appreciate it. All you got to do is search Total Sports Live TSL podcast. It's all right there. Every episode that we've done this entire football season right now to the playoffs, going all the way back when we was doing the fantasy stuff, all right there for your disposal. But like I said, back again another week, Harrison, talking about those Eagles, talking about the NFL playoffs. It's a good time. Like I said, it's a, uh, what, I've, what I've heard on the radio, it's a good time to be a Philadelphia sports fan these days. I mean, we go from the Phillies you know, making their playoff run and getting to the World Series, which extended to November. At the same time, the Eagles are playing well. So now it's extended to now, what, January, and the Sixers are playing well. We're in a great time. Also, can't forget about the Union making the MLS Cup, and then we had the Stars make the USFL championship yep. <laughs> in the summer that kind of led over to all this. So it's been a, an exciting five or six months for you know if you're a philadelphia sports fan the city's been on fire man it's been a great few months it's been electric it's been a lot of fun just to be around here to kind of be a part of it but listen man we know how the city is i mean we love all of our teams we love the phillies the the flyers the sixers nothing comes close to the eagles and nothing comes close to when the eagles are having success i mean that 2017 playoff run it, it was a magical time in the city Feeling similar type of vibes. I mean, th this is a, a great time to be an Eagles fan. I'm, I'm really excited for this podcast. I was saying at pre-show, I can only think of one better podcast than the NFC Conference Championship, and it'll be about two weeks from now, previewing the Super Bowl. So, yeah, it, it's a big game. It, it's two great teams. You mentioned it. The 49ers are coming in. Hottest team of football, 12-game winning streak. Brock Purdy hasn't lost a game as a starter in the NFL. Mr. Irrelevant turned to rookie quarterback in the NFC Conference Championship. I mean, Storylines are all there. It's going to be a great game. Also, one of the finalists for a rookie of the year, which a lot of people were surprised about and caused a little bit of controversy earlier this week because many people then thought that Brees Hall should have been in the conversation as well because they almost played the same amount of games. <laughs> it's a good point. It's a good point. Brock Purdy came out of nowhere at the end of the year. Brees Hall was on the scene early in the year. I mean, there's a lot of guys that need to be in that conversation. Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Kenneth Walker. Um, but you, you got to look at Brock Purdy at least. You got to at least give him some 
respect and some consideration for the impact he made as a rookie. But that is an interesting debate with him only playing a few games and a lot of quality rookies. I mean, we could even go to the defense side of the ball if you want to just go rookie of the year. I mean, Sauce Gardner, right. Tariq Woolen, there's a lot of guys. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to see how not fun, but it's gonna be interesting to see how the votes kind of lay off for offensive rookie of the year and defensive rookie of the year because I feel like if Purdy somehow wins it, I think dude, people might be calling for a change in rules or something along those lines because then I'll be like, well, did nothing that Garrett Wilson and Kenneth Walker did for an entire season matter because someone had a hot, you know, streak of what? but six, seven games in the regular season yeah. or something like that. So it's going to be an interesting discussion to see how that and the other awards that were played out because there were other Eagles um, that didn't get awards. But we'll, we'll we'll discuss that soon in a couple of minutes, actually, since I, since that's on my mind. But before we do that and talk about uh, the title game this weekend between the Eagles and Niners, let's go back and look at what happened last week in the NFL. We had, what, four games? Last week in the playoffs, got I get my math together. Four games last week. We had two on Saturday, two on Sunday. Uh, one of the bigger, both of our talking points actually come from what happened last Sunday. And let's talk. Let's start about this. The Bengals, the Bengals, everybody's favorite team that was somehow the long shots to win the AFC, let alone to possibly win the Super Bowl, are now one step away from going back to the Super Bowl for the second straight year after they defeated Josh Allen and company on the road in the snow in Buffalo, 27 to 10, Joe Burrow just do what he does best. And that defense made life tough on, uh, on Josh Allen, Harrison. Surprise, surprising win in some ways, you know, I, I think the snow kind of equaled that game out a lot. I think that makes it a really even playing field for, for any team. And I think Cincinnati took advantage of a lot of that took advantage of, just getting the ball quick to their playmakers, letting Jamar Chase go and make plays, and then taking their shots when they were there. And, and you mentioned it, their defense really stepped up to the occasion. And that's something we saw last year in their postseason run. Cincinnati's defense really does a good job showing up for particular games, coming out with a good game plan for their opponent. Um, definitely an impressive win. Joe Burrow continues to put up um, strong postseason outings, just a, really has been the catalyst for that franchise since they've drafted him, has really flipped the script for the Bengals, him and Jamar Chase have a great duo, kind of similar to what we're seeing with Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. I think people kind of forget Devontae Smith and Jalen Hurts played together in college as well. But that's an aside. That's going into our Eagles talk. For the Bengals, I thought it was a really good win. People were all really high on the Buffalo Bills. They were kind of the team to win the mm -hmm. Super Bowl. Everybody, you know, Buffalo's the team. This is their year. Josh Allen's really coming into his own. Stephon Diggs, this offense, their, their defense, Von Miller's healthy. I think that's a big part of Buffalo's struggles in that game, not having Von Miller um, for that late stretch of the year. And then mm -hmm. in that post, you know, that's a huge, huge loss um, and something that they will have back next year and will help them. But, yeah, I mean, Buffalo's getting to an interesting point where it is kind of consistently been, well, next year, well, Buffalo's got to be in the mix. Buffalo's got to be in the mix. And they just keep falling a little bit short. I mean, the fact that they haven't been to a Super Bowl yet, it, it's just crazy to think of. Um, I think Sean McDermott's a great coach, former Eagles defensive coordinator way back in the day, uh, back in the 2000s. Yeah, way back in the day. He, I, he was here for a while, too. In, in yeah. Philly. He was like an assistant at first and really got his start under that Jim Johnson coaching tree. But, um, yeah, I like McDermott. I like Allen. I think they have a core, you know, to go out and make a run. But just surprising to see them continue to struggle in the postseason. But on the flip side of that, you know, Joe Burrow continues to have success in the postseason. So it'll be interesting to see him play 
Kansas City again this week at uh, Arrowhead Stadium. Is that what they're calling it now? That's yeah, that's, 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 that's interesting. The that's what the Bengals are calling that, it. Arrowhead. That's interesting. Yeah, a little dude. disrespectful. To I Arrowhead, agree. But I agree. It, it should make for good theater, right? <laughs> because the Bengals yeah. feel like they're being mad disrespected, you know, with the whole thing of you yep. know the the potential if the Bills had won for there to be um, the title game in Atlanta. And I think what at the end of the game, they were shouting about getting people need to get, get their refunds. refunds. Back. Yep. So they, they, they take things personally, including Eli Apple. He takes things personally too. He's hey, America's proud of Eastern he's, high school. <laughs> he, he's the American of, he, he, he's, he's America's favorite uh, NFL Twitter troll uh, in the playoffs. He, he, he loves, he loves the, he loves the talk. So we'll hey, see we, how, we love Eli down here in Voorhees. All right, <laughs> he was a heck you of a you, playmaker. You, 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 didn't, you didn't say that with much conviction. <laughs> <laughs> all right, listen, <laughs> we don't throw on the film too much. All right, we just support. We show love. But <laughs> there you, there, there you go. That's exactly that's exactly how you uh exactly how you gotta uh, play uh, Lo- it. Logan Ryan's our guy from Eastern too. Logan Ryan, it, yes, we, we'll there take you go. That you, one. you can claim him. Both claim champ. him. Yep, long time playmaker he, for the he, Pats. He's, he's He's not getting on Twitter, uh, calling calling dudes out and no. telling uh telling Stefan Diggs one two three Cancun and yeah saw that now listen anytime you're talking like that it, it, it makes interesting theater especially because he did because he, he did it last season too he, remember he did it last <laughs> season very vocal before that Super Bowl and then Cooper Cup and yeah. company put up good yards but yeah anytime you're doing that at corner I mean especially at that position because you're on such an island and. You know, if you get beat, so a lot of times there's nowhere to look. You know, it, it's hard to to kind of cover it up. So he will. I, I have a feeling he'll be getting a lot of camera time uh, this, this weekend on Sunday. I, I think they'll be putting him on the screen a lot. Oh, most 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 definitely. And before we talk about you know what happened in uh, Dallas and the Niners, you mentioned something about Josh Allen that caught my mind. It's been kind of the the topic conversation when it comes to the Bills and people saying that the Bills. Um, don't have and I, I, I saw somebody say this i don't know it might have been something on twitter because it's twitter right saw somebody that said that uh josh allen doesn't they don't doesn't have enough weapons and i don't understand that logic because when i look at their team they have a bona fide number one they have a solid number two they have a Group of number threes, right? When you not including Cole Beasley and John Brown, because they just signed, right? Mm-hmm. We're just talking about Isaiah McKenzie, who had moments this season. Uh, the rookie Khalil Shakir, Shakir who they yeah. drafted, you know, had some, you know, he he's made he made plays here and there, especially in that Dolphins game in the in the playoffs. He made some plays here and there. You look at tight end; they have Dawson Knox. They also have Quentin Morris, who was a rookie from rookie in this year's uh, class from Bowling Green. Who I really like coming out, uh, coming out in last year's class. Don't know how, but I was watching Bowling Green and I said, "Yo, man, this tight end can catch a little bit." Some action. I don't know. Yeah, it was, yeah, it, it was definitely matching. I was like, "Oh, <laughs> I'm like this guy can catch a little bit. He might need to be a pro prospect." And then he ends up in Buffalo, right? And then you look at the running back game. Running backs, they don't have necessarily a bona fide number one, right? They don't have a Miles Sanders, right? <laughs> they don't have a Miles Sanders. They don't have, you know, a Christian McCaffrey. They don't have a Dalvin Cook. They don't have a Saquon. They don't have an ETN. Like, they don't have that. But they still have two solid RB2s in James Cook and Devin Singletary. So, I don't know how people 
come up with this notion that they don't have weapons. It's, no, you don't. Ha- you do have weapons. Maybe the scheme is just flawed. Maybe if Josh Allen doesn't have red zone turnovers, it's a whole different story. Maybe if you don't try to go vertical all the time and take and work the ball underneath and actually run the ball with your running backs, you might be able to have a better offensive game flow. And I feel like sometimes with the Bills, we never really saw an offensive like cohesiveness. It was always let's take shot plays because Josh Allen has the arm, he had the wide receivers. But there's nothing like how we watch with the four teams that are left remaining. Those teams, I feel like, can build 10-play, 80-yard drives that go five, six, seven minutes. I don't know if Buffalo can necessarily do that. No, I love everything you just said right there. I think that was a great breakdown uh, of Buffalo's struggles, and in particular, why they struggle in the postseason. You know, when you're an aggressive team and you take shots like that, especially in the postseason, it's just harder to do. You're going to be playing more quality secondaries, more quality pass rushes. And while Josh Allen – And every possession matters. Like, literally every possession is magnified. Even in that Miami game, even in that game where they won by three points against Skylar Thompson, every possession matters. So you're 100% right about that. And even with Josh Allen being this big physical quarterback who can throw the ball downfield, run, jump over people, that doesn't make him immune to pass rush. That doesn't make him immune to pressure. If you're taking those shots downfield all the time, there's going to be some pressure there. And, And going back to the notion that they don't have enough weapons, I think that that's really undervaluing Gabe Davis. I mm-hmm. think that that's a little bit of people not knowing how good Gabe Davis really is. I think Gabe Davis was fun in fantasy this year, and he plays in Buffalo and all that. Gabe Davis is a legit number two receiver. You know what I mean? You can go around it, and that's kind of the consensus right now. Okay? And then also that's undervaluing Dawson Knox at tight end. I, yes. I think it's pretty fair at this point. I mean, he's top, what, five at tight end maybe? I mean, I don't have my tight end rankings pulled up at the second, but what, top eight at tight end, like top ten? Yeah. Definitely, wherever you definitely, want to put it, definitely a top definitely 10, top 10, top definitely. 10 tight end. Like, I don't have the exact number for you right now, but he is in that top class of tight ends, and he's young. I mean, he's in his 20s. He has a lot of upside to get better. So that's not really my concern. Me and you have talked about this throughout the week. I mean, you look at the, the group that Lamar Jackson has as pass catchers throughout his year. Mm-hmm. It, it's much less than what Buffalo has. I mean, I think off the rips to find digs would immediately be the best receiver. You know, I don't think that's really crazy to say. No disrespect right. to Marquise Brown or, you know, Rashad Bateman or anybody else, but Stephon Diggs is on a different caliber. That's definitely a top five receiver in the NFL. You know, Dawson Knox might be a top five tight end. Stephon Diggs is definitely a top five receiver. And I think Gabe Davis is one of the better, you know, uh, number two receivers. So, yeah, I think the only thing that you can really poke on that is, is running back Devin Singletary really hasn't took that next step towards being an elite back. James Cook is early in his career. Zach Moss didn't work out there. They have Naheem Hines there now. Maybe you could go and get a, a better running back, someone that pairs better with, with Josh Allen and his powerful running scheme. I mean, that that would be kind of my only thing. But to say that they don't have enough weapons, I, I just wouldn't say that that's the reason for their struggles. Yeah, yeah, you can't say. So, I mean, we'll see what happens in the offseason because they definitely going to have yeah. to probably do a little bit of retooling because eventually when you can't get over the hump for – a certain amount of times there have to be some type of change. Maybe that's personnel. Maybe that's offensive philosophy. Not saying get rid of Ken Dorsey as OC, but maybe they tweak a little things in the offensive philosophy to get over the hump. Because like you said, they are talented on both sides of the football. And the fact that they haven't put it together, it's crushing. It's very crushing because like you said, they have the talent and they've been there now back-to-back years in the divisional round, but haven't been able to punch their ticket 
especially the next for that round. fan base too. That's right. a great fan base. They're so loyal. And they've also had the backdrop of, of four consecutive Super Bowl losses back in the nineties. So which is just crazy, a, which is just crazy to even get the four Super Bowls in a and row. The, like yeah. You know, and, and then to lose them. It, a lot of really or, crazy. a lot of organizations will, you know, be happy with that. And but it's almost like with the Eagles, right? Back in the early 2000s when they were getting to the NFC mm-hmm. title game like every year. And it's yep. like a lot of organizations will want that, but you're not putting the finishing job. On it that. almost hurts more than if you go eight and eight, yes. nine and seven, or losing yes. the wild card because you're so close and you have the window. And that's how I feel about this Eagles team right now. They have mm-hmm. a window. They have a real opportunity to go and win a championship this year. Like all jokes aside, I get that we're here in the Philly market. They objectively can beat every team still left in this playoffs. hundred percent. Not saying they will. You know, San Fran could come out and, and lock them up on defense this week. Brock Purdy could throw three touchdowns. McCaffrey could run for two. And that's that. We're talking about who should they pick at the 10th pick. But at the same time, I mean, (laughs) they can definitely come out and dominate this game versus San Fran, put a lot of pressure on Purdy. And then next week versus Cincinnati or Kansas City, there's holes in both of those teams, in particular on defense. San Fran and the Eagles definitely have the best two defenses left in the playoffs. Okay, 100%. So whoever makes it to the Super Bowl from the NFC will have the advantage defensively. Um, I, I think the Eagles definitely have a window right now. And going back to Buffalo, they kind of missed their window this year. They also had a window to win it this year. All year, yes. people were saying Buffalo is the team. Buffalo is the best team. Josh Allen's coming into his own. They missed that window. The Eagles have to really go out there and, and try not to miss this opportunity. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll, we'll see what happens. And since you mentioned um, those Eagles, let's let's jump right into it. Let's jump right into it. The Eagles, like I said, back in the NFC title game for the second time in the past five years, which is just crazy because it's Five years ago wasn't that long ago, but it was in NFL terms. Five years is an eternity, right? They're back in the they're back in the NFC title game after they defeated the Giants thirty eight to seven. They did not show no signs of rust. They came out prepared. They came out ready to dish out the smoke, and yeah, it was complete domination from the opening from from the opening drives, both from the offense and defense so harrison just when you were watching this game and looking at the highlights again and probably re-watching it again looking at the all 22 like just picking through the game looking at the box score snap counts all that good stuff what were some of your takeaways from the win uh last week so we were on this show last week saying i believe the spread was seven and a half if i'm not mistaken for the game eagles yep, minus seven, seven and, and a half, half. Yep. we were saying that that was a lot of points and we were vastly wrong. The Eagles went out there and, and dominated the game, controlled the game. Really surprised. I mean, you expect a divisional playoff game. The Giants are going to show up and, and be scrappy, be physical. Just really wasn't the case. The Eagles controlled the game from start to finish. I thought looking at Jalen Hurts in particular, super efficient, you know, super yes. effective in the passing game. It, it wasn't anything that it didn't need to be. It wasn't like we were just talking about with Buffalo, taking a bunch of unnecessary shots downfield, trying to do too much, holding on to the ball too long. It it just wasn't that. He was efficient, on point, on time, got the ball out of his hands quick. I love that throw to Dallas Goddard early in the game on the touchdown in the red zone. Just get the ball out of your hands quick. Let your playmaker go make a great catch, a a great play. He's a physical, tough runner, tough guy to tackle. I think he'll be important for this week, but it it was great. It was a really encouraging win, obviously. I mean, anytime you go out and win – 38 to seven in a playoff game against your division rival, the New York Giants coming off a playoff win in in their case. It's great to see Um, the Eagles really, they they dominated the game on the ground. I I was really impressed with how they ran the football because New York, which is what we've been, which, which we would, which is something that we've been clamoring for, especially when they go against teams that do not have the strongest 
of run defenses. It's something we've been clamoring for since like 2020, I feel like, back in the Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz era. Feed Miles Sanders, get Miles Sanders the ball. Yes. But how about Kenneth Gainwell with his first 100-yard performance, performance in the playoffs? Huge performance. It has that, to be like his first 100-yard game of his it career. Was. It was. That, that's that's very good to see, for, not only for you know this playoff run, how about for next year too with Miles Sanders, yes. future uncertain. You know, that's really encouraging to see. He's a guy who runs hard. Boston Scott, the giant killer, anytime touchdown, that cash, love to see it. You know what I mean? It's not the fantasy podcast, but we might still throw an anytime touchdown once in a while. You know, keep your eyes peeled. Um, how about the zone reads? ESPN Stats and Info reported 33 zone reads for the Eagles, 221 yards on those plays and two touchdowns. So that's not just when Jalen Hurts kept the ball, but just when they ran zone reads in particular against the Giants defense. Really had a lot of success with that. Jalen Hurts had seven design quarterback run versus the Giants. That's really encouraging to see in terms of his shoulder, in terms of how healthy he is. The Eagles, Shane Stuyth and the company felt comfortable running him, didn't feel like they needed to hide him and keep him in the pocket. Back in week 18 against the Giants, only one design quarterback run, which makes sense in a game that really didn't have that many, you know, important issues. But great game on the ground. Uh, Eagles totals 44 rushes, 268 yards, and three touchdowns. As a group, including Jalen, Kenneth Gainwell with over 100, Miles Sanders with a big game. More of the same. It's going to be way tougher to run against that 49ers front. I know I like the Giants front. I like what they have moving forward as defense. But that 49ers front is a different breed. You know, we all know that. It's going to be a big challenge up front, toughest challenge for the Eagles to date. But, I mean, if we're just going off last week, really encouraging game, a, a lot to take from that game and try to implement into this game. You want to keep the ball rolling. Um, really that game, and I think you'll agree with me here, it reminded me a lot of that Minnesota game back in 2017, yeah. that dominant yeah. performance where just from start to finish, I mean, the Eagles controlled the game. They, they made things very difficult for Minnesota. The fans were so involved in both games. It felt like the Giants struggled a lot with the fans, need that type of energy again this week against Purdy. So really encouraging win. I, I'm looking forward to seeing how they can kind of keep up that momentum. I hope they don't get complacent. I hope that's not, you know what I mean? Something that kind of lulls them to sleep and, you know, hey, we're going to go play this young quarterback after a blowout win. We should be fine. We're playing at home. I don't think that'll be the case. It really doesn't feel like the vibe of, of this team with the veteran leadership and even the young guys who are stepping up as leaders. Guys like Jalen Hurts, Jordan Mylotta stepping up as a leader, um, Devontae Smith in his own way. So, yeah, definitely a, a great win. I think that's going to be one that Eagles fans can look back on for years to come. Reminds me when they blew out the Cowboys in the playoffs back in, I believe, like 2008, I want to say. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think they beat them like 40 to 10 or something. So anytime that the Eagles beat someone in the division in the playoffs, that's you can put that one in the books right away. I think it was 44 to 6, right? Wasn't it? They, they blew them out. I remember I, I don't like know 40, exactly what the score what was. Like 44 to 6. They back in the Tony Romo era. I feel like T.O. was on the Cowboys. Yeah, I feel like T.O. was on the Cowboys. Uh yes, 44 to 6. Yes. Wow. Oh no, was that no, that was that was the regular season, actually. Said the stars aligned on the final day of the 2008 regular season just to get just oh. just to give the Eagles a chance to make the playoffs and went on home going home battle against the Cowboys. The Eagles crushed the Dallas behind one of the most dominating defensive performances in franchise history. Forty four. That was six. like a wild card or divisional round game. I don't know why. Nah, it was the regular season okay. game because they had to get in and then like they had like there was like two other crazy things that needed to. I remember that year because they had they needed like two other crazy things to happen that year for them to get in. Like, even get a chance. I think, like, 
Tampa had to like win or lose, and like Oakland had to pull up. The, I think Oakland yeah, pulled was, the upset over was, Tampa. I, yeah, I remember that. There, it was somewhere in the AFC, right? <laughs> yeah, like there was like two like un, unreal. It was weird, broke even for them. And they and then what? They beat the Vikings. Someone uh, they think they beat the Giants, and then they lost to Arizona, right? I think. Yeah, they beat. Yeah, they beat the Vikings, right? Because that's when. So. Uh, that's when Chris. Uh, what was that? Chris. Uh, Chris Clemens. Uh, picked up uh, Tavares Jackson, rest in peace. Picked I was going to say, right. Jackson. Tavares Jackson was their quarterback, yeah. Was the quarterback. And then, like I said, they did, they did go to play the Giants, beat them 23-11 to 11 mm-hmm. that year. And then, like you said, lost to Arizona in a close one. Kurt Warner, Fitzgerald. Yeah, Kurt Warner, Fitzgerald. Tim Hightower. Deshaun, rookie, rookie, rookie Deshaun Jackson, I think. Rookie, right? yes. Yeah. yeah, it was rookie Deshaun Jackson back in the way. Uh, Tim Hightower, the Richmond running back. University I remember him. I remember up, him. Uh, I think he got the game-winning touchdown. Yeah. I was a big Tim Hightower guy. I was a fan of him. I had him in fantasy a few years, really consistent. Good, <laughs> yeah, big Tim Hightower guy. Any, anytime, you, anytime you see name a random NFL running back on Twitter, you're just going to be like Tim Hightower. Tim Hightower, yeah. He's going to be, he's gonna be up there. Guy. He's going to be up there with Sam Congato. Like, <laughs> and James Starks. All right, that's a different podcast because we could go right. all day. On we can go on random players. And then we'll start switching, you know what I mean? We'll go to receiver, and so that's a whole. <laughs> Definitely a whole different one. Uh, for me, just some of my takeaways, like you said, the running game I thought was phenomenal, right? You know, anytime you could spread the, spread the wealth and run for 268 yards and there's not one or two guys carrying in the load, I think that's always a good thing and always a good sign. It also shows that your offensive line was winning at the point of attack and really inserting themselves. And I think that's going to be huge for them coming up into uh, this week's game. And then defensively, uh, Daniel Jones, interception, sacked five times. Eagles also had uh, eight quarterback hits, four TFLs. You just love to see it because that just shows that your defensive line is getting pressure. With the four, they're not sending more, and that's going to be key again in this game too, which we'll talk about about the line play. So those are the two things that stood out to me. And also Dallas Goddard. We kind of said it during the show last week that it was going to be a Dallas Goddard game just because we saw what TJ Hawkinson was able to do to that Giants defense. And the Eagles followed script, got him involved early, scored the first touchdown in the game, and that was, you know, it kind of helped, you know, get everything rolling. So good job all around on both sides of the ball for the birds. Uh, but let's now fast forward to this weekend's matchup the biggest matchup probably in the in the uh in the young career and era of the uh Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni the two second year guys in the uh in the NFC title game which is almost a creepy mirror image of Doug Peterson and it was supposed to be Carson Wentz in the NFC title game both in their second years as well with the team so they are now here in this spot and there's a lot of interesting storylines to pay attention to in this game, um, Harrison. And let's start with this first one, battle in the trenches. Both teams, very good defensive lines. Eagles with the better offensive line. But like we talked about during before the show, Eagles can take advantage of this 49ers offensive line, which could lead to big plays happening that they can cause on the rookie quarterback, Brock Purdy. I think they can as well, but it, I mean, it, it's hard to discredit what San Francisco still has on their offensive line at the same time. I mean, you're looking at Trent Williams, a future Hall of Famer. Mike McGlinchey has become a really solid tackle at right tackle. I think more than anything up front, it's the Eagles defensive line, more than the 49ers offensive line being um, less caliber. I, I think the Eagles defensive line is really what gets me 
so excited about that matchup. I mean, we all know 70 sacks, most in the NFL, one of the most of all times in NFL history. Um, Hassan Reddick continues to have success, one and a half sacks last week. Um, I, I think getting after Brock Purdy is going to be so important, and especially doing it early, trying to put him in, in third and long situations if they try to get aggressive on second downs, try to get that sack, put him in positions where he has to throw the ball, where a, a quick screen to Debo Samuel might not work, where a quick screen to McCafferty might not work, where just a little dump off to Kittle and, and he runs for an extra eight yards, isn't going to pick up a first down. Really put them in, in negative situations where they have to throw deep, where they have to look downfield. Because mm-hmm. that's not really something we've seen Brock Purdy do a bunch. He has done it. He's hit his deep shots, and that's been a part of their success. They have guys who can win vertically, but it's not what they're looking to do. I mean, that's not the 49ers yes. offense as a whole. That's not what Jimmy G was doing. That's not how they were designing it for Trey Lance. That's just not kind of who they are. That's not the Shanahan offense. So I think no, they like to, to play them, short. They like to play short, middle of the field type of type exactly. of action ball game, and, and run that football too. Control the game on the run game. That's another point where the Eagles defensive line really has to get after it. Control that line of scrimmage. Don't allow for a lot of movement up front. Don't allow McCafferty to get to that second level because that's where he's so dangerous. That's where he can make people miss, um, find open space, and, and hit those home runs that we saw him hit so many times in Carolina. So these are two physical, well-coached teams. I mean, it's intriguing to see the less. We mentioned it early in the show, 49ers, 12-game winning streak. Brock Purdy is 7-0 and in his starts. That's impressive to say the least. I mean, call it what you want. Call it, You know what I mean? They're winning different ways. They're not always, you know, displaying Brock Purdy for 300-yard and four-touchdown games. They still haven't lost with him at quarterback after he was a seventh-round pick, Mr. Irrelevant, all that type of stuff. So, I mean, 32.6 points per game with Brock Purdy, too. That's really impressive. It hasn't been their defense, you know, just locking in and holding teams to seven points and things like that. They've been able to score as well. This is definitely going to be Brock Purdy's biggest test. I mean, the Eagles have the best defensive line in football, so obviously that's off the bat going to be a huge test. And then the atmosphere, too, in that stadium. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be an atmosphere really comparable to anything. I mean, the, the Eagles in the NFC Conference Championship, is kind of the peak. The Super Bowl is a neutral site. So, I mean, that's right. Bowl, you know what I mean? Against the Patriots. It's not like that's a crazy atmosphere. That right. Vikings game, when they played the Vikings at the link, that's what everyone remembers atmosphere-wise. Yes. And, you know, I, I'm a fan of Case Keenum. He's a good quarterback. He was in, what, his seventh year in the NFL? It's been a bunch of time in yeah. the NFL. And that was a lot for him that night. I mean, he struggled in it. So, Brock Purdy's in his eighth start, ninth start. Eighth um, start, I, yeah. I think the atmosphere is going to be huge. He has played three consecutive games without a turnover. That's impressive to see. You know, both of his playoff games, he's been able to protect the football in different ways. And then Christian McCafferty, eight straight games with a touchdown. This is something we mentioned last week, just talking about the playoffs as a whole. We weren't exactly sure if McCafferty was going to get fully implemented in the Shanahan system this year. Mm-hmm. Boy, oh boy, has he been fully implemented. They figured it out. They they yes. sent him the playbook while he was on the plane or something. I, <laughs> I guess they had, you know, Josh Johnson was coaching him up, t- teaching him all the X's and O's of the offense. They got the backup quarterback helping him out. I don't know what it was, but they figured out a way to get Christian McCaffrey really rolling. Um, so, yeah. It, it's tough. I, I, I'm impressed with what Brock Purdy has done. It, it's a fun story, you know, especially, you know, liking the draft and covering the draft, seeing a seventh round pick. No Mr. Relevant had even thrown a touchdown pass right. this year. So to see him have this type of success is a lot of fun. It, it's like a Kurt Warner type of story. I mean, if Brock Purdy wins two more games, definitely getting a Disney movie, 100 percent. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Right. Like it's a cool story. You know, it's fun. But the realist in me, the you know, Coming in against that Eagles defense, coming into that Eagles stadium, the Lincoln Financial Field, I think it's going to be a lot for him to handle. I think it's going to be too much for Brock Purdy to handle. 
Yeah, it, 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 it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how Purdy plays, right? Because like you said, he's already at the seventh round pick, Mr. Irrelevant, last pick in the draft, right? We can say in retrospect, he's kind of outplayed his ceiling to this point. Mm-hmm. Like he's already exceeded every expectation everybody has had for him because he wasn't supposed to even be starting this season. Honestly, he probably wasn't supposed to be on the active roster. He was probably wasn't supposed, supposed to dress. To be... I was just going to say that. Right. Healthy scratch every game. Healthy know, scratch, if the season goes to three, Right, yeah. on practice squad. He wasn't supposed to dress unless they traded Jimmy G. Then he obviously elevates mm-hmm. to backup with Trey Lance. But it's, it's you know, it, it it's crazy, right? And now you put him in a spot where it's like, hey, kid, you now are one game away from potentially playing in the Super Bowl. That's a lot, like you said. And now you're going on the road. The last time we saw the Niners on the road was against the Raiders, I think. I believe so, yeah. And I don't think he played well in that game. I think I think really the last three games he hasn't played great. Yeah, he hasn't, right? And obviously the the, the Seattle game, everybody looks at the passing numbers, right? 300 passing yards. Oh, that's mm-hmm. great, right? However, as we talked about, there were some – turnovers to be had there and then looking mm-hmm. at Dallas game he didn't he didn't turn over the ball but he didn't have no touchdown passes which is a little bit concerning um if you're a Niners fan and I know touchdown passes don't mean everything and they're not the end all be all but you still got to put points and and score on the ball you look at it he had two sacks he was sacked twice last week and the Cowboys only had five quarterback hits and four tackles for loss not bad considering what the defense was really able to do to keep him, you know, to keep the, the, the try to keep their offense, you know, in it, even though the offense didn't do their job. But the Cowboys defense, just like the Seahawks defense showed a little bit, but the Cowboys showed it better. When you get pressure on Purdy, it changes the dynamic of the game. And if you're the Eagles, you have to make him, because I don't think we've seen a lot of him in, and I don't even remember death back in the Seattle game, a lot of second and long and third and long situations mm-hmm. there there've been a lot of third and short third and five favorable situations where he can dial up a quick pass in the middle to George Kittle or to Debo Samuel or to Brandon Ayuk. So if I'm the Eagles, I'm trying to get pressure with my front four. If he's rolling out, let him roll out, but again, he he didn't he couldn't get away with that against the Cowboys where he rolls out, he's always rolling out to his left. You can't do that. And the Cowboys showed you you can't do that. So if the Eagles can do that, they could have some success because now you're putting Shanahan and them in that position of third and long. And we've seen this, and I don't know what the exact statistics are. There's probably some next-gen type stuff <laughs> on, like, his passing chart because this is just me. When I see Brock Purdy play, I don't see him challenging the ball deep down the field. Everything's really intermediate in middle of the field, which is nothing wrong, right? If you can mm-hmm. complete the ball in the middle of the field in the NFL, you're like halfway there, right? I'm yep. always wondering when, you know, look at quarterbacks in the draft. You're always wondering, can they complete passes in the middle of the field? Shout out to Emery for, you know, keeping that tidbit in my mind. But he does that. But I don't really see nothing outside the hash marks or anything deep, which could work to the Eagles' benefit because unlike the Cowboys, they do have the pass rush where they can just rotate bodies in. Fresh guy, get pressure, get pressure, get pressure, get pressure. Even a lot of his deep shots, too, it's when they have a clear-cut matchup and someone wins. You know, yes. I think back to one of his first games against Tampa. One of his first touchdowns was a real wide-open, nice little drop-it-in-the-basket type of touchdown pass. Which, again, that makes sense. That's them taking their shot. That's a well-coached football team. That's 
not being overly aggressive, trying to force balls downfield when it's not there. That's smart football. That's football one-on-one. I mean, if they're one-on-one against you and you've got Debo Samuel ready to go run by a corner that you, you know, have a favorable matchup in, which is probably most corners in the NFL when we're talking about Debo Samuel, sure, you're going to throw that ball. But like you said, I mean, I think that they, they, they're really not built for second and long, third and long, those types of pressure situations. And that's where guys like Hassan Reddick, Josh Sweat, mm-hmm. Brandon Graham, who only played 12 snaps last week due to his illness. Brandon Graham was barely on the field, really, you know, wasn't even a part of that game. It'll be nice to get him back. I think that's kind of lost in the mix. The Eagles are getting Avante Maddox back. Lane Johnson is healthy. Trying to get Brandon Graham into more of his usual snap count, really his normal game reps. I think that could be huge. But, yeah, putting the 49ers in those long situations, second and long, third and long, definitely going to be crucial. You don't want them, like you said, dumping the ball right over the middle to Kittle real easy. Get a quick screen going to Samuel McCafferty. Make them throw the ball downfield. Make Debo Samuel or Brandon Ayuk beat Darius Slayer, James Bradbury. And at the same time, we know what Jonathan Gannon's scheme and his philosophy is defensively. The Eagles aren't often in press man coverage, one-on-one, you know, cover zero, all-out blitz. They sit in a lot more base formations, like cover four quarters, cover three, cover two, things of that nature. And then they play their man when it's there. Obviously, they send their blitzes when it's there. But it's really not the Eagles' calling card to be all-out blitzing, um, putting their corners in one-on-one matchups. So I think that plays to their benefit as well. I actually think that their defense, something they get – um, I don't want to say faulted for a lot of their defensive scheme and Jonathan Gannon's base and, and kind of reserve, not aggressive defensive scheme. I actually think it helps them this week against the 49ers. Yeah, no, it, it definitely, it definitely does. Right. Because you do have, and I think this is the luxury, right. You do feel confident that you can play a little bit more man. And I forgot, I saw somebody put the screenshot up of Purdy's numbers when it's man coverage, he's not great, right? But when it's zone, he's able to dial in, find the zone, hit the zone, and that works, right? When you're when you have guys like Samuel and mm-hmm. Ayuk and Kittle, where you can just pepper that middle of the field and find those holes in the soft zone, pepper, pepper, get them into a rhythm. If you're like you said, if you're Gannon, you should feel comfortable that we don't have to zone up. We can man up and trust your corners to make to make plays when necessary. So definitely battle the trenches. It's going to be huge in this game. And let's, you know, move on here. Um, here on the Total Sports Live podcast, Jovan Alfred Harrison Brown breaking down uh, Eagles Niners NFC title game Sunday at three on Fox, breaking down the second uh, storyline that we're paying attention to in this game. And that's the Eagles wide receiver versus DB, specifically AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. People might be saying, why are we focusing on these guys? Well, the Niners secondary have there's this really easy trend that's been popping up lately with them and that is they've given up at least 100 yards to one wide receiver in every game in playoffs this week dk had what 138 or something like that definitely had over 130 yards two touchdowns against that niners defense um cd lamb i don't think cd scored but he had uh, yeah. over like 100 i think he had over i think he had 111 he went 120 10 for 117 yeah he so snapped. That's noticeable. Yeah, he snapped. So that leads to the question of who's going to be the one that snaps in this game because Devonta Smith had a solid game last week against the uh, Giants. I think what he had six for sixty-one. Mm-hmm. That early touchdown. catch, first quarter, yeah, first quarter, ago. and then uh, AJ Brown only had three for twenty-two, six targets. wasn't really a huge factor, but we know how this is going this season. One guy goes off, the other one doesn't. But then at the same time. 
it could flip next week or this week where Smith can have the quiet game and AJ Brown breaks out. They feed off each other really well. And that's something we talked about around the draft when they got AJ Brown, such a nice compliment to each other. AJ Brown, the more physical receiver can win over the middle of the field, but then can also take you deep. We saw that a bunch this year. Devontae Smith is your quicker guy who can also win vertically. Um, I like the 49ers secondary. They've had some struggles. It's not a bad secondary, though. We can't sit here and, and say that they're not a talented secondary. They don't. They have some opportunistic DBs. Um, guy, guys like Demadre Lenore, um, back-to-back interceptions. Um, and then their safety as well. Talona Hufunga was actually all pro this year for the first time. A 2021 draft pick, fifth-round pick out of USC. Really broke onto the scene. Really made a lot of plays this year. So it, it's not a bad secondary. I mean, the Eagles are certainly going to have – there are challenges with it, but you've got to look at it. I mean, with Ward at the other corner, Lenore at one corner, Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown should have the matchup no matter who's covering who. I mean, either either side of that, you know what I mean, either side of the mm-hmm. field, they should have the advantage with both of their outside receivers. Let's get Quez Watkins going in the slot. Let's get Dallas Goddard going. You mentioned that. Um, the 49ers have some talented linebackers. We all know how good Fred Warner is and, and some of their other guys. I mentioned Hufunga at safety as well. But they really haven't stopped tight ends that well. They really haven't yeah. covered tight ends that well. Um, Schultz was able to make some plays last week, had a touchdown for the Cowboys in the red zone. Let's get Dallas Goddard going again. You know, let, let's see Dallas Goddard have another red zone touchdown similar to what he did against the Giants and what Schultz did against the 49ers last week. That's a way that they can take advantage of this secondary. But I, I think the 49ers have a talented secondary overall. They really have a well-rounded defense. I mean, their defensive line, guys like Nick Boza, Armstead, Javon Kinlaw, Kevin Givens from Penn State. Um, their secondary, I mentioned it, Ward, Lenore, Hufunga. It's a talented group overall. They have a good group. D'Amico Ryans, uh, their defensive coordinator, former Eagle, has done a great job. I, I think that's kind of a fun storyline this week um, that I haven't seen a lot. D'Amico Ryans is coming back to Philly, played with guys like Kelsey, Brandon Graham. I believe he played with – yeah, he definitely played with Fletcher Cox. Which is I'm interesting. I'm surp- yeah. Like you said, I'm surprised nobody hadn't brought that up because he was like an integral piece of that defense for like a He minute. really was during the, the Chip Kelly era. I heard Kelsey mention it, that D'Amico Ryans was, uh, you know, a favorite of everyone in that locker room. Coaches, players, nobody surprised to see him having that success as a coach. I think that's something that people in the Eagles media mentioned back when D'Amico was playing here. Like, this guy would be a great coach. This, this guy, mm-hmm. he has great football IQ. He's going to be a successful coach at some point. Would love to see him get the job down in Houston take that over, bring in Bryce Young. All right, I'm getting ahead of myself. That's the college draft podcast. But, no, I mean, D'Amico Ryans has done a great job with that 49ers defense. Um, like I said, they have a talented, well-rounded group. But I think the Eagles should have the advantage at almost every skill position. They should. They should. So, hey, we'll see how that matchup plays out because, like, that's going to be make or break, right? If they can really get going in that passing game and really start to stretch the field with those two guys because they're both capable of doing it, now that just opens up the run game. Now you get the run game going. Now you get Sanders going. Now you get Hurts going in the read option and being able to put Nick Bosa, who's a very good defensive end edge rusher, put him in a decision where am I going to follow Hurts or am I going to commit the Sanders on the pitch? So if you can do that with the passing game going on, Eagles could be in business um, on Sunday afternoon. And last but not least, Let's look at the Eagles DBs versus 49er weapons. Like we talked about with the Eagles and weapons, and we mentioned it talking about the battle in the trenches and Purdy, they're also going to have their hands full, right? Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, who had an outstanding game last week, made a couple of incredible catches that probably should have 
talk about uh, Trayvon Diggs missing an opportunity to lay a hit and totally whiffed and then on a pass that Kittle tipped up in the air to himself going across the middle. I mean, talk about testing fate. Couldn't be me. <laughs> Couldn't be me doing that. <laughs> I mean, they're catching them, dropping it. I'm not tipping it up in, in the middle of action like that. Uh, you got him. Then you got Christian McCaffrey, who did miss the first two days of practice, uh, but he was a full participant on Friday as we're recording this podcast. He was a full participant, so that's good. However, Elijah Mitchell with the groin did not practice all three days. So probably, as we talked about before, Shelly Harrison, probably look like we won't have no Elijah Mitchell in this matchup. But Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, and also can't forget Jawan Jennings as their wide receiver three. They got a lot of weapons that have made help made life easier for Brock Purdy, but they can also make life tough for the Eagles DBs in the Eagles secondary on Sunday. They're a masterclass on how to build a roster, especially offensively. Yeah. Not even talking about scheme and, and what they do, but just in terms of personnel, in terms of bringing in talented players, bringing in different weapons who complement each other well. They have a, an awesome offense. It's a beautiful offense to watch. When it's when it's firing on all cylinders, when it's really running, um, honestly, when the quarterback plays a little bit more experience, I, you know, when Jimmy G was out there, would have been cool to see Trey Lance if, if he could have got a full season in, how they could have kind of built that around him. But just in terms of, of building an offense, putting the right pieces in, and really their team is oh, I mean, we just mentioned that their defense is loaded as well. But they are. I mean, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, let's start there. It, it's a big test for the Eagles corners, no doubt. Those are guys who make plays. They're guys who get the ball in different ways. They both can do a lot of unique things. Um, back in 2020, I'm sure a lot of Eagles fans will remember Brandon Ayuk had that long touchdown run against the Eagles. I think he hurdled. Oh, I don't remember the DB. It might have been. I don't want to say. I don't want to say the wrong DB. And then you know, do you remember which DB Brandon Ayuk hurdled? I want to say Marcus Epps, but I feel like that's wrong. Uh, when this they last point. when they last played last week. 20, last it was 2020. Season. It was 2020, not even last season. It was when Ayuk was young and he had that long run back when Carson was still quarterback. It, it's oh, a move. Man, point. I can see I, I can see it, but I can't. Right. That. Yeah, I don't I remember which DB I can't it make was, the though. back of the name when the jersey's not. The Eagles have had a lot of DBs in the past yeah. five, ten years. So we're gonna I'm gonna give us a pass on that one. But um they, they, they can win a lot of different ways. That's my point. Brandon Ayuk had that long touchdown run. Debo Samuel's a guy we've seen used out of the backfield, used on quick screens. I mean, and obviously he can win vertically. Obviously, he has great smooth route, can, can route people up. So it, it's going to be a big test. The Eagles have two great corners, Darius Slay and James Bradbury. Bradbury, in particular, has really excelled this season and exceeded expectations after the Giants let him go. Had that revenge game interception last week. That was a lot of fun. But it is going to be a big test. It's why we've emphasized get them in third and long, get them in second and long, so they can't yes. just get these athletic guys who can make people miss in space the ball. It's going to be really important. That includes Kittle as well. You know, put them in third and long, so they have to throw downfield. You can't just give the ball to Kittle quick and then let him go make people miss and pick up 12 more yards. Because th that's a big factor in the 49ers offense. When Kittle is rolling, especially in the red zone, he he's such a weapon down there. So, that is going to be something to watch. I think that could be one of the ways that the Eagles really wind up falling in this game. It, it could yes. be one of the reasons that they trail is if these playmakers are out there making people miss and making and you plays. And, and if you and if you don't cover the tight end, which was their big issue last season and just in prior season, right, not being able to defend the tight end, you can't defend the tight end. You're cooked. It's not the strength of their personnel group defensively. No. They don't have great linebackers. They don't have great safeties who are super athletic and big and physical and willing to go match up with Kittle all game. 
you know, I can't really give you the guy who, who's the perfect matchup for that. I think more so the scheme is the perfect mm-hmm. matchup for that. Keep them in front of you. Keep them in third and long situations with the pass rush. Don't let them get going in the run game. I think that that's kind of the way to stop George Kittle. I think, honestly, Samuel and Ayuk might be easier to limit with the corners that they have. They might kind of just fall out of the game plan, especially if, if one of the corners is really locking up a side of the field. We could see one of those guys with maybe just two or three catches at halftime, and that would be concerning for San Fran. So I think that's the way to go about it. The Eagles need to really put together a good you know, game plan as a unit. I don't think that they really have the guy to cover Kittle. I don't really think that they have the guy to cover McCaffrey either. Right. I don't know if there is a guy to it's cover coll- McCaffrey or It's the Kittle. collection. It's the collection, it's collection of guys. It's the unit. You know what I mean? It's Chauncey Jordan or Gonson really getting involved. Maybe Reed Blankenship getting involved. Mm-hmm. Some of the linebackers, TJ Edwards, they're going to have to do it as a group. I mean, and like I said, I don't know if there really is a guy who can cover McCaffrey, mm-hmm. Kittle. Like, that's such a unique – that's what I'm saying about them building up this crazy group of, of personnel for – Shanahan and those masterminds to they're probably sitting in some office right now still drawing up different ways to get those guys going that's really what I'm talking about it's such a unique offense yeah and it's unique right because like you said and I know we see this on Madden with this Niner playbook they just move guys all different around the field so you'll see McCaffrey in the backfield then he split out wide you'll see Debo in the backfield but then he split out wide so like you said it's going to be up to them to also pay attention to see what's going on because like they said on the radio this week this Niners team, they can pass out of running formations and they can run out of passing formations. So you have to be on key, audibles, all that good stuff. You got to be on key. And but it starts with right to slow down McCaffrey and Kittle. It starts with their defensive line getting yep. pressure. You get pressure, the clock speeds up a little bit more. Maybe you get a turnover. Maybe you get a sack. Maybe you get an incomplete. Listen, you'll take a second. You'll, you'll if you you'll take an incomplete on second on second down if it gets you to third and ten, third and eight, mm-hmm. third and seven. You'll take that. You just can't get in third and short situations because this Niners team, they have the personnel to um, to convert. They have the personnel to convert. They do. They have the guys up front to do it. And one quick point on something you mentioned there with them moving guys around a lot, something that I, I was interested in reading, something I noticed, pre-stat motion on 73% of Brock Purdy's drop packs. I, I think that that really tells you something. They're trying to show him what the defense is doing. One thing that pre-snap motion really shows you, are they in man? Are they in zone? Is someone trailing the receiver? Is someone following? That's helping a young quarterback out. That's what I'm saying about the 49ers being a really well-coached team. I think people know that. I think we've kind of established that at this point with them. They're a well-coached team. They're going to try to put their players in the best position to succeed. And that includes Purdy. And I think that really tells you something with 73% of motions when he's dropping back to throw the ball. Yeah, so hey, we'll see how it plays out. Should be an interesting game, fun game down at the link. Emotions will be running high, energy will be up. Every possession will be magnified, every play, every incompletion, every run, pass, every play, every kick, everything's going to be hyper magnified. Um, on a game that's probably going to feel it's only going to be three hours, but it's probably going to feel like eight hours <laughs> with just how long it's going to be. And you're just getting through quarter by quarter. So, that being said, we got to get to the final part of the show, which is prediction. What happens on Sunday afternoon? Will the Philadelphia Eagles be moving on to Glendale, Arizona to face whoever comes out of the AFC? Or will this dream season come to an end and the 49ers with Brock Purdy win their 13th straight game and continue the storybook season heading into the Super Bowl? When you say it like that, when you say are the 49ers going to win their 13th straight game, it is a little that's a that's a scary thought. <laughs> 13 straight games, they've won 12 straight. That's a very impressive feat. That's tough to do in the NFL. That's tough to do at any level of football. And then you add in the fact that they've had a, a 
quarterback change in that time. They've got a seventh round pick playing quarterback. That, that's crazy to hear. I'm st- I'm gonna take the Eagles. I'm feeling a little bit overly confident. It's a little bit nerve wracking. Last week you kind of heard us on this podcast. We were like, well, seven and a half. That's a lot of points. Divisional game. The Giants are gonna come out tough. I'm leaning Eagles twenty eight to seventeen right now, which mm-hmm. clearly covers the the minus two and a half spread right now for the Eagles. Um, I, I think they're the better team. I think that. Like we've mentioned, kind of this whole podcast, huge stage for Brock Purdy. I know everyone's been saying that every game since he played Tom Brady back in his first start. This is by far the biggest stage, the toughest defense he's played. I don't really see them having a a bunch of success against this Eagles defense. And I think the Eagles are going to be able to find ways to score. It might not be all at once. It might not even be before halftime. It might be 14 to 10 at halftime or 14 to 13. It might be close to halftime. I think that they're going to find their ways to get in the end zone, though. I think they're going to find their ways – to control drives. That goes back to them running the ball 44 times last week against the Giants. Let's get some more of that going. Let's control the clock. Let's keep Brock Purdy off the field. Hey, if he he's lighting it up in the first half and has two touchdowns, run the ball. Keep him off the field. Easier said than done against the 49ers front, obviously. Eagles have the best offensive line to counter that. So it's a fun game. There's a lot of storylines. There's a lot of different ways it could go. I'm going to go Eagles 28-17. to 17. Uh, It's a little bit high scoring from, from my taste in terms of the Eagles. That's a little aggressive the 49ers have been holding teams at under 24 points but i think the eagles are going to find ways to score i'm going birds 28 17 birds 28 17 i'm pretty sure they will fans love that oh, yeah. might get a little sweaty but a little comfortability <laughs> at the end would be nice um for me i'm gonna go eagles i'm gonna go eagles 21 niner 17 I, I think like this is going to be a close game. Like the spread indicates, I think it's going to be a very close game. Um, two good defenses. However, I think the Eagles defensive line, which we've talked about this entire season and has loaded with veterans across the board, I think they're going to show up. They're going to show out and really make life tougher, Purdy. Now, am I going to say Purdy's going to implode? No, I'm not going to say that because that would be malpractice to say that, right? Mm-hmm. But I think – I think he will. He's going to have a couple of rookie moments, which is going to be understandable. He's a young kid, and this is a, this is a different situation. This isn't playing the title game in San Francisco. This is playing the title game on the road. Like this Yo, is different in Philly. In Philly, it's different. It's a different level, different animal um, that we're talking about here. So, got the Eagles winning twenty-one seventeen in a close one, and yeah, they'll be playing. In a couple of weeks in Arizona, which will be of just amazing to think about from where this team, if they do it, to think where this team was at this time last year or where they were mm-hmm. at when they were two and five last season or when they hired Nick Sirianni or when they drafted Jalen Hurts. Those two guys weren't supposed to be here on this team. Mm-mm. It was supposed crazy to, be, to think about. It was supposedly Peterson and Wentz leading the Renaissance. And now it's them too. The head coach that nobody didn't want. I prayed my hand for that. Same. And yeah, that, that even was, recently, same. Yeah, that's a huge right, hit same, on me. right. Even recently, same. Like within the past <laughs> calendar year, same. Crazy, to say, right? But yeah. The, the the head coach that everybody was puzzled about the quarterback who we were all kind of puzzled on draft night why they drafted him, but some of us on this podcast, the two here. I was going to say, I'm not going to put my hand up on that one. I'll put my right, hand up on right, the Sirianni right, one. Right. The Hurts we, right. one, me and you, we, we might be okay. And we have some receipts, too. Yeah, we have some receipts. We have some receipts. We were a little puzzled. I was puzzled on draft night when he did it, but I was still supporting the guy 
Uh, and we quickly became year. okay with it. But again, that's another podcast. That sounds like an right. off-season podcast. But yeah, d- definitely an off-season <laughs> podcast. But yeah, it should be a fun game. Can't wait to see uh, what happens. It's going to be a good one. Going to be a good one. So that's going to wrap up this week's episode of the podcast. Thanks again for everybody that will be tuning into this podcast on your various streaming platforms and also checking us out on the good old YouTube. Uh, as always, make sure you're following us on Twitter. As you'll see, scrolling down on the bottom of this good old video, if you're watching this on YouTube, at Joe Vontan, at Harry Brown Russo, at Total Sports Live. Check out totalsportslive.com. Got a lot of good stuff coming uh, on the way as we transition out of regular season football, NFL football, and transition into some um, transition to other things. Like I said, make sure you're following the podcast um, on all your streaming platforms. Make sure you're uh, checking out the Planet Philly pod as well with Nick and Jen and, uh, and Jason. They're doing a lot of cool stuff over there, dropping a lot of vids over the last couple of weeks in the stream. So make sure you're following them, following them over there on the YouTube and on the tw- and on the Twitter and on the streaming platforms for the audio. I think that's about it. No, I think that's it. I think I'll echo it. the Planet Philly. Been a lot of fun to watch them doing their thing. A lot of cool pods, a lot of shorter podcasts. If you're looking for something quick, definitely go check out Planet Philly. You know, that, that crew, they do a great job, those three. They definitely do a great job. And we do a great job over here, too. So appreciate you. We, we, <laughs> we try. We try. We try. <laughs> but as always, appreciate everybody for tuning into the pod. Have a good one. Enjoy the game on Sunday. And yeah, we'll see what happens on what next week's show will. If, if it's next week's show, then you then you know that's a what problem, right? If it's next week's show, that's a problem. If it's next week's show, it's a problem. However, if it's not next week's show, you hear us a couple weeks later, then you know what it's hitting for. So, for me and Harrison, everyone have a good one, and we'll talk to you all very soon.